You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Guys? Do you know I gave Andy his team name? Was it, didn't you guys share the name for a while? No, I gave it to him. I was very nice to him. And as a token of my appreciation, I put a check with a couple of really nice zeros behind it. <laughs> There's no given. It's for my transient lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> What's up in real estate this week? Kind of a quiet week. I, I guess I haven't paid too much attention to the listings, but um, more listings, less listings. I'll tell you what, I've gotten, uh, it's, I think it's slowed down. It feels slower to me. I mean, showings have slowed down a little and, you know, I think, uh, we've had some other things going on, uh, lately that kind of have just halted kind of maybe people, but I mean, it's still happening, but it's just not, uh, not as quick. And I'm sure we'll, uh, jump right back into it again. I know I've got, uh, two more, two listing appointments tomorrow. So that are that are ready to go yet this fall. So. Yeah, we had um, a lot of uh, inquiries this week from, it was kind of nice, old listings that we have, or I shouldn't say old, but houses that have already gone to pending, um, that the neighbors have called and said, hey, you know, you mind if we ask what that's sold for? We're kind of thinking about spring, want to sell, um, you know, getting that research put together. And I think there's a lot of people, I hope it loosens up again in the spring here where we get that uh you know, a really good spring market and get some affordable inventory out there for everybody and let everybody move up to where they want to move up to. And, and, uh, you know, or like today's topic, maybe you want to right size and, uh, you know, get on one level or whatever your goal is, but I'd like to see some people put their houses up for sale. So what you want a little history, Mr. Prasky? Yeah, I'd love that. Okay. So what pending, when it used to go to pending, it was very interesting because it used to show the price it sold for. Did you know that? Wow. So, yeah. So you knew when it went pending exactly what that thing sold for. But what happens when they fell apart? You know exactly what that seller accepted. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then obviously that's that's changed since. And we don't know the price until it's sold unless your seller's willing to um, tell people about it. But I, uh, that that's got to be sacred. What? That was quite a few years ago. That was like 20 plus years ago. That was in the 1950s. Yeah. 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 When I was, uh, just getting going. No, Chris, yeah, no, that was in. Chris planted these trees behind me. He. Uh... <laughs> that was in the early nineties. <laughs> that was in the early nineties. So yeah, you're right. Well, we are chatting about single loving level living this week, which is something that I think we've ch- talked about at least on every other show since July. Uh, what do you guys think about? single level living in Minnesota or the Midwest? Is it on the rise? Is it not? I, I think that it's a, it's, it's well, I mean, people want it. Um, the problem is, is affording it uh, a lot of times. And I think you associate single level living with um, downsizing or getting older and wanting everything on the main level. But uh, it's kind of, I think it's something that everyone really wants um, but I think sometimes you get, uh, you know, because obviously, and Andy can talk more, um, he's more really in tune with the building, but we do in our, 
with my builder, we do a lot of ramblers and main floor bedrooms and the, the footprint's got to get bigger. When the footprint gets bigger, it just costs more money in which to do it. You know, when you can start stacking stuff on top of each other, you know, it gets less, less expensive or more um, efficient uh, space and, and money. So I think, uh, well, this is an interesting little graph. So this, this graph, uh, according to this graph, and this is from Keeping Current Matters, um, in our region, in the Midwest, for new construction, 55% of new builds right now are one-story builds, which um, brings begs the question, is there, is there just not enough inventory of single-level living homes? Is this kind of a newer trend, or, or do you think it's just the more modern amenities that people are looking for in a single-level home? I would love to answer that question. I just did a, a quick little uh, market analysis last night for my building team in uh, the Hugo market. We were comparing Ramblers, funny enough, and you build about a 1,700-square-foot Rambler. You're about 200 bucks a square foot plus lot, you know, so it's like, you get into that where what does it cost you? Um, and that's with a basement below, you know, and everything else. But the the idea there is that um, I, I ran a market and they said, well, are there even any one levels being built because they're so expensive, right? And you look at like a two-story averaging about 145 to 150 a square foot. So you get more square footage at a significant discount when you go up because you use the same roof, you lift the same roof up and you build another level, right? Same foundation. Um, with, but anyway, long story short, there were 65 properties that sold in Hugo that were on one level of that. It was like 38 of them were slab on grade or what they call one level living. And they were around that 360, $370,000 for about 1200, uh, 1300 square feet, two bedroom, two car garage. Um, and, and basically I think that's that perfect retirement, you know, for not for everybody, but I mean, for a lot of folks, that's a perfect retirement size house, um, you know, and, th- and that's what we were seeing. Now, on the other scale, there was the rest of them that were a, a barrage between 400 and 850 for the other Ramblers, because Rambler, or excuse me, a Rambler is generally a more executive, in my opinion, and, and I think the marketplace reflects this. Um, when you have a bigger budget, you know, that 600 to whatever, um, you go Rambler because you can and that one level easy living, you 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 gain beautiful um, you know opportunities with the ceiling. You can you can do vaulted ceilings. You can do taller ceilings. When you have a two story, a lot of times your main floors are limited to you know how tall do you want to make that main floor, right? So it's kind of fun. You can add a lot more character. The house can have a lot more um, influence on different styles, you know. And I don't know. So most people in the bigger budgets do go to Ramblers, and then they add the finished lower levels and. But just to clarify, though, single level living doesn't necessarily mean a villa or a home with no basement. It can be those beautiful ramblers that we're seeing go up all over the Twin Cities. I'd argue it could be a two story. It could be whatever, as long as you have all the living facilities on one level. You know, so if there's a bedroom, laundry, kitchen, I mean, if those things are on one level, I mean, it can be anything. But yeah, you're you're right on that. I mean, it doesn't mean it has to be slab on grade. It can be a, you know, a rambler. It can be, you know, we've seen it a lot where you get an open great room, a master on the main floor, then you get a loft and bedrooms up top. You know, I think that that to me is main floor living. Right. Well, and here's what I would say back to you, Courtney. Um, you take, uh, let's say, 1,700 square feet below that house. And let, let's say you take that same rambler that's 1,700 square feet 
you don't put the basement below it. And let's say you get a $20,000, $25,000 credit. Where can you duplicate that many square feet for 25 grand? And, right. and, you can. and then to have that where you can have access for storms, if you, you know, for safe. I mean, because we always kind of forget until the middle of it, that storm season that, you know, we, we all like a place to go when you don't feel safe. And I don't care how old you are. If you have to get in the basement, you'll figure out a way to get down there. Um, you might have to call your kids, get you back up, but um, you can get downstairs pretty fast um, if you need to during a storm and, and stay safe. And I, I think that that's where I, Minnesota with the frost lines and everything, basements are, I, I, you'd have a hard time selling me on not having a lower level because then you can hide the amenities, you know, the, the uh, utilities, excuse me, down there, furnaces, water heaters, all that stuff. And then the rest of it, put a door on the bottom of the stairs and don't go down there. It, you don't you don't have to use that space. But what's nice is that then you still get the floor trusses. So you get a nice softer floor. So you're not walking on concrete all the time and wrecking your joints. You're actually, you know, um, I don't know, warmer floor. Can I, can I jump back to that per square footage price that you threw out of yeah. $200? I mean, and then you, you started mentioning higher ceilings and this and that. I mean, I think what's interesting is what you said there is that you might get a Rambler for $200 a square foot at 1,700 square feet, but that Rambler also might be $350 a square foot at 1,700 as well. And so I think, and that's, I think a misnomer because everyone goes around, oh, hey, what's the per square foot? I get it all the time. It's, well, it depends what you put in it, you know? I mean, and on the outside, what are you going to put on the outside? You know, is it vinyl? Is it LP? Is it stone? Is it brick? Is it a complete stucco house? I mean, that costs more money and your per square foot goes up. So I, I agree with you, Chris. And I do say that, you know, if you're in that market where you're shopping, the, the best thing for you to do is to have a floor plan that you've designed and you tell them the amenities you want in it with the specifications and you, you bring it to the builders that you like and then have them help you figure out what the price is. That's about the only way you can shop apples for apples because just like cars and everything else, appliances, they're smart enough. Those, those suppliers are smart enough and the builders are smart enough to know what you're doing and they intentionally put packages together. They, oh, this is our you know, new summit package where it includes blank, 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 and blank upgrades included now, or this is our incentive this month, or this is our giveaway. And, and so there's a lot of, um, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but there's a lot of things that they find that they can help people make the decisions easier. And at the end of the day, all they want to do is build more houses, right? So it's, it's an idea that they put together that, what can I do to help someone make a better decision faster? It, do I incentivize them? Do I whatever? Or you know, are you like Chris has had the opportunity working with some of these world-class builders where you sit down with a team and you design it and then you bid it. And then, yep, it's 2.6 million and I already own the million dollar lot. Let's go. And that, that that's a whole different process, I think. Yeah. But, so yeah. I, when ahead. would single single level living make sense for someone? Does it make sense to start thinking about that before you really need it? from a like accessibility standpoint, or does it make more sense to start considering that when you just don't need what, you know, after, after that becomes an issue? I think, unfortunately, that comes down to, to money a lot of times and what you can afford at different times. Um, but I think, you know, when I don't think single living, living and downsizing really go together necessarily because I think with other people, you know, Andy mentioned, you know, the utilities and going somewhere for a storm downstairs. But I think a lot of people that get on that really true single family slab living is they find out that you can't really have a lot of guests stay over either. 
And we're finding um, that people are um, creating for their lifestyle rather than downsizing. So uh, it's kind of like getting that Rambler, having everything on the main floor, and then being able to have um, almost guest suites in the basement. So you might have a main floor bedroom with an office upstairs, then three bedrooms downstairs, all with their own bathroom. You know, so then the kids come back. You know, mm-hmm. because that there's there's something to say about that. You know, um, they'll come back if it's a lot more comfortable. But I remember going up to my um, grandma's place uh, when we were younger, and it was like you know all all six of us, you know, were in one room and we shared the bathroom in, on the main level with everyone. You know, and it just kind of makes it harder. And I remember we begged to stay. Let's stay in a hotel. Let's do that. You know. And I mean, if you want, want them to come back, I mean, I, we've got a lot of people that are doing that. Yeah. Um, so if you're, if that's something that you're considering, then does it make sense to buy something that has the option of single or build something that has the option of single level living uh, while still kind of being a traditional two story? Well, you know, I, I think it comes down to why do you want to be on one level? Do you have a bad leg? Are you on wheels? Are you you know, I mean, what what is the 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 reason other than you know? And, and some people just like to have everything on one level. There's it's convenience too. It's not necessarily always by you know choice or by uh, by force. So you know, if you look at um, the ease of one level living, it is so nice. It's so easy. There's no stairs. There's no. I mean, it's so nice. But on the other hand, I look at what we've morphed into with. Um, I built two houses this year that were ramblers that actually had the uh, gymnasium, the sport court, you know, attached. And it, people, just because you're, you're uh, on one level doesn't mean you're not active. And it doesn't mean like, like Chris was talking about the holidays. I, I bet you 95% of the houses that I'm building have the basement finished with a Rambler for the holidays. I want the kids to come home. I want plenty of room for all the grandkids and those that have the luxury of having that kind of a budget um, they'll do it just for those couple of times a year that they need it for the holidays uh, at, at, you know, all alone. So uh, it can also be more energy efficient to do that. If you're living on one level and don't need to spend as much, if you can have the dual zones in your house for heating and cooling and things like that, it can be a more energy efficient option for you if you're downsizing Absolutely. or if you're, if you don't need as much space on a daily basis, I should say, since we're not really talking downsizing. I think, you know, I always talk to clients and it's like, you know, what is it? Do you even use the basement? I mean, I have a, that's why we're moving out of this house. It's a fairly large home. And, um, you know, we, there's, I use, I use three spaces, you know, and it's the, that main floor kitchen, great room, my office and my bedroom. And that's it. And there's a lot more, there's a lot of other spaces that are in there. But I think that's a lot of people, you know, you find your one space and that's where you go. Not a lot of people use their lower level. Are you moving into a Rambler? Yes. Walk out. Obviously. (laughs) And it's 100%. So I can just like slowly walk from spot to spot. Now Rudy's going to have a segue going down the hallways. (laughs) You know, you need, what you need is one of those hoverboards. My kids are asking for those for Christmas. Yeah, I look good on that. My five and eight-year-old are asking for them for Christmas because. Golf guards. Oh my gosh. I, it, it makes me way too nervous. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that too, you know, the, the idea of having um, one level, you know, what do you gain by that? You know, what is the, um, the concept of a great room or the style of the house a lot of times puts more rooms together. Um, 
you need more space a lot of times, you know, as well. So if you're, you know, a bigger lot or a wider lot, a lot of times people don't build the one level because they don't have the space or they don't have the budget. And so if you have both of those things, man, you can have a lot of fun building a Rambler. I mean, there for a one level um, with or without a basement, it's still a lot of fun. I mean, you know, and I, I, you can always go up another concept that a lot of people have started doing now is where they above their one level main floor living, they'll add a loft and they'll put a couple bedrooms and a bathroom up there. And that can become the kids, you know, the grandkids loft or the, you know, whatever visiting guest loft. And then, you know, this last uh, month, I've had a couple uh, customers where they are um, wheelchair bound. And so they have the ability where you come in from the garage and there's always those three steps coming up, right? Well, we've designed a new system where we do a double wall where the floor truss system sets on one wall and the garage wall is behind it higher, still reinforced. So you literally can roll in even with a full basement below. Um, it adds about $11,000 to a house. You know, the front porch, when you go to concrete and you lift the porch up to the height of the front door, great idea too. So if you have somebody that's in the house on a wheelchair, they can come right out onto that front porch, easy living, you know, no real big steps. Um, sidewalks, meandering sidewalks, as I call them, they go way over and way back. You have to be a little creative with that unless you, you know, uh, depending on, again, the slope and the yard and, and what you're trying to achieve. But uh, for the most part, you know, some people just retrofit an existing house. And, you know, for 20 some thousand, you can put a lift in the garage and you can put for about eight to 10 grand, you can put a stair rider going into the basement. So it just really depends on what your needs are. Yeah. And the other thing is, is we've got a massive inventory of inexpensive, I mean, fairly inexpensive. Uh, so you don't have to spend 800 to $2 million on, on a Rambler, but um, in 1950, 60, late 60 inventory along the whole Metro, you know, that can be uh, redone, but Andy made a good point with the lot sizes. Um, you know, a Rambler obviously has to spread out to be able to get everything on it. And uh, that's the one thing they're trying to do with curbing costs on building is make the lot smaller, you know, because the more expensive the lot is, the more expensive the house is. And the littler they can get those, the more they can stick on that lot, you know, the better value it is. So that's why you see a lot of those houses that are stacked on top of each other. And they're, you know, seven feet next to each other because we have to, you have to do something to, you know, hit a price point. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, when you sit in those houses and you meet people, they're like, you know, you guys just don't get it. We want a three car garage and you keep putting these two car garages on these Ramblers. And it's like, what they're not really recognizing is that my average single family Rambler with a three car wide garage is 65 feet wide or more. That means I need to find a city lot that's 80 feet wide. There's about six developments in the Twin Cities that have lots that wider, wider. I mean, I'm joking, but you know, I have two of them right now. I have one up in Centerville and one in Hugo. But uh, most of the lots that we run into are 70 feet wide. So that puts you down to 55 feet. I can barely fit a three-car wide garage Rambler where it actually looks like there's house and not just all garage. And, and then some of these developments also require someone to have like 30% of the front of the house be the garage. So you have to have that big front porch. And, and the, they bring the big gables coming forward. You'll notice a lot of those littler Ramblers have really nice curb appeal. And that's why, because the cities are requiring that as well. So that brings the price up. So all of that makes the garage smaller and the price go up. So, Yeah, it all plays into it for sure. So what are the other benefits of single-story homes that 
you know, maybe people haven't thought of or are wondering if they're considering making a move? I think the other, uh, we're also seeing, I wanted to add this in, it's probably a good time, but we're also seeing like an additional bedroom on that main floor for parents, you know, that are, that are living there, um, you know, because it's hard to, you know, you can have that single level living, but when an elderly parent comes over, you got to send them into the lower level or else you got to go in the lower level and they take over that bedroom. So um, we're, we're seeing that as well. So I, I guess the answer to my, your question is uh, accessibility is a, is a big you, thing for single level. Living. Do you see people doing two masters on the main level or is it a master plus an extra like office type bedroom? I think it's, it becomes a, it, it's almost a, typically a flex unless there's the budgets aren't there. Um, there's, there's people doing double master bedrooms, you know, and, and that's not for a guest. It's for each of the adults, uh, the husband and the wife or whatever. Is that common? It's not common, but you gotta, I mean, you gotta have quite a budget in which to be able to, to get that all on the one level, but people are doing, um, you know, on suites upstairs and things like that. And I'll tell you what, it's more, it's, it's a lot more, I wouldn't say it's common, but it's, it's not unusual now. I mean, when we go into houses that people are living in separate bedrooms, you know, that they're, you know, whether it's not, Hey, they can't sleep, you know, snoring or, or whatever, but it, it happens a lot. We, a we lot had been, uh, I had one I sold last year up in Zimmerman on, on an acreage lot and it was really a beautiful house, big garage, you know, the, the big, beautiful Rambler that spreads out and looks gorgeous. And I walked in there and they, they, for that exact reason, Chris, the whole one side of the house was two bedrooms and they were both the same size. They both had the coffered ceilings. They had the, or the one had a coffered ceiling, one had a tray vault but they both had a master bathroom in the middle that connected the two and both had sharing master closets that came in and it was his and hers master suites. And like, like she said, we have different sleep schedules. He's a night owl. I go to bed early and vice versa. And so what, what's cool is this. I think if you're, if you're listening to what we're really saying, if you build new um, you, you can come up with these crazy, awesome, perfect for you scenarios. And then the other thing is multi-generational housing. Um, I think everybody would love to have a big, you know, lodge with room for mom and dad and the grandkids and the whatever, but it comes down to where, like Chris said, budget. And it's always cheaper to go up or to finish down. Um, you know, so like with a Rambler, for example, let's say you add another bedroom to the main level and you spend 50 to $100,000 to add another master suite with a master bath and a, a big space, or do you finish the basement for 45? Think about it. Now the whole base, yeah. now you have 1,700 square feet instead of just another 100, you know, or whatever. So so is it easier or harder to resell a single family home? What are your thoughts? You build new, It does it depend on what you do, like how custom it is to you? Uh, you know, I think in anything, you, you know, Andy mentioned those two, two master bedrooms. I mean, to me, from a, a marketing perspective, I'd market the heck out of that because it'll find the right people you know, that you want. And I think sometimes people are like, oh gosh, that's kind of different. That's kind of weird. We don't really want to say it. We want to just get them in here and then they can figure it out. But the, the reality is, is that there is people looking for that kind of a thing and, uh, and that it's very expensive in which to build. And you're probably not going to get your money back. But I mean, in, in general, Ramblers are very good sales. I mean, a lot of people want them and uh, 
uh, we've had very good success with Ramblers. I mean, most of our, our models in that, you know, one and a half to $2 million all have a main floor bedroom. Yep. I think that, you know, it's interesting, Chris, too, is maybe you've heard this as well. Um, when I build with the crowd that's, let's just say that they're in their 60s and they're building a house, they'll say, I don't really care what happens to this house. It's going to be my kid's problem. And because they're, they're building a house for them as they're, you know, head off into the sunset home, as I call it, you know, the uh, and, and enjoy it and build it for themselves. And if if they want things a certain way, they do it. You know, I mean, I, I've done crazy requests where I'm doing, you know, different uh, flooring for dogs and, and you know, a different um, you know, bath for dog washes at waist level. And I'm like, who the heck would spend this much money in a laundry room to have basically a shower basin at waist level? Well, grandma that wants to wash her little poodle three times a week loves it. You know what I mean? And so it's like, who cares? They don't care. Just do it and, and enjoy it. And um, I think that's one of the, agent to sell it. <laughs> the cool things about like the Pinterest and the house.com and all that, that these ideas that you get built now are so awesome you know, that people come up with and they're, they're coming with their own ideas and, and, and you can implement them into the, to the design. It's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Do you guys have recommendations for what people should think about if they're, if they're buying or building a Rambler or a one level living home? Like, are there, are there certain square footages that, that they should think about or things they should think about adding to the main floor if, if they're building from the ground up? Mm. Go ahead, Andy. <laughs> let me let me take the mic. Um, the, uh, the, uh, you like to talk. It's, it was, I thought you'd have something. Okay. You you sit here. I sit here going, "Don't want to cut my fingers as you're talking." <laughs> One of the best things they did for Chris and I back when we started doing radio shows, they they sat us aside and they said, "Listen, you guys sound horrible together because you step on each other's words." They go, "If you want to sound nice and be you know enjoyable to listen to," they go. Just stop stepping on each other's words and pause. People like it when you take a breath. I'm like, damn it. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so when it comes down to one level living right now, I, I like to see two bedrooms on the main level. Um, and then I like to see an office space. It doesn't have to be huge. It, I mean, I've seen office closets that are six by nine and you say, oh my God, how do they do that? You have the cabinet down the one side, you have a wall behind you, the window going outside. And it's like having a mini cubicle in your house. If you're just paying your bills, and you're going online looking for recipes, put that right off the kitchen. It's perfect. And you don't have to have a gigantic designated, you know, uh, office space. And, and Some builders calling that a command center. I heard that. Sure. It's a I marketing like term. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. I mean, I think people start thinking of offices like people are coming into their office and sitting at their desk. And you don't need all that space for other people. You just need a um, an organized a space that works for you and what you're trying to get accomplished. Remember back in the early nineties when all the new construction homes had the little desk in the kitchen. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Are those coming back? They're all going out. They're getting retrofitted. <laughs> yeah, they're, so they're turning into pantries. Separate they're office turned, is necessary. They're turning into pantries and wine coolers. Yeah. You know, I was going to say they're they collection centers and yeah. They, uh, they put all your crap there and that's where everybody throws their stuff. So yes, they're not in the kitchens anymore per se, but they're, it was a, it was a very novel idea and it kind of accomplishes what I just was talking about, but get it out of the kitchen, put a wine, like Chris said, put a wine fridge there instead, entertainment space or a, you know, something other than that, because it, it's just 
not well received in today's market. People don't like having a desk in the kitchen. And what um, else does it say, Andy? What does it say about when that house was built? Oh, 90s. It tells you exactly. That's what that's what like the the shiny brass is, you know. It's immediately that's it, it brings you back to that. You might have remodeled everything else and you see that desk and you, it reminds you, hey dummy, this is in the 90s. They do they do travel in packs, don't they? So when you see that desk, you're gonna see white appliances and the gold uh hardware. Yeah, no, they actually but, some, but sometimes it works. Sometimes yeah. it works, especially if it's clean and well taken care of. People can look past that because then the, then it does the opposite. It's kind of like, oh, my gosh, this is like in the 90s, and this is like the nicest house I've ever seen. It's in such great shape. How about something go. like this, a little wine and coffee bar? There you go. Let me ask you. You're my demographic I try to sell to. What do you think about that wine bar? Uh, I'm not a wine drinker, <clears throat> so it would not appeal to me, but a coffee bar. I drink coffee literally all day. So, you know, anything that we can turn into a little coffee bar is a is a win. Lisa those are, are Kool-Aid Kool refrigerators. <laughs> Do you know what would happen if I told my kids that? They would fill that with all of their toys. They would literally make that entire section of the house theirs, and it would drive me nuts because it would be <laughs> in the middle of the kitchen. We we uh, at our house now are starting to do a, a complete remodel of one of our our pantries, and we're doing a um, the uh, or our kitchen pantry. Excuse me, not one of our. We have multiple pantries. I was going to say, wow. Uh, on our east pantry, we're going to have the uh, people. No, uh, so our pantry we're having it redone, and uh, we're actually putting in an appliance shelf in there so that I don't. We're so tired of putting the air fryer on the counter. We're so tired of having a coffee maker sit on the counter. So yes. we're making this coffee bar air fryer, toaster, mixer, um, cabinet like on there with matching granite to match the kitchen. And then we're doing a lot of cubby and compartments above it. And we're, my wife and I uh, just start, I should say my wife and I, Lisa started this project without me and I'm starting to get into it a little more where you actually have the ability to decorate a little, you know, everything has yeah, space, as they something like that with like a little cubby that slides on down over your coffee maker. Or are you doing something that's more closed off? I have that in my kitchen right now. You do? Yeah. And you are fancy. Yep. I have a coffee station. And then I also have where those shelves are. Yeah. They're width of wine bottles. And it goes from the top to the bottom of a built-in refrigerator. So we're always hydrated. Very important, kids. Hydrate yourself. Is that is that the West Coffee Bar? That's the West Wing <laughs> Kitchen, yes. <laughs> West. Yeah, sprawling oh, over four city lots. It's it's amazing. It really it's uh I think the biggest trend in I live in, in Champlain in homes is clean look a clean look, like people just don't like clutter and functionality. And if you have those two things, no matter what you do, you'll be fine. But well, one problem. Hmm. The appraisers. Oh the yeah. they're still hung up on square footage. Crap. And then, so, but I mean, it's totally worth it. And you're totally 100% right because you can look at a house that's 3000 square feet and then versus one that's 4,000 square feet and the 3000 feels so much bigger and more usable and, and greater and how, how walkways are made. And, and it's, it's totally the truth, but that's that we just got a little problem with banks sometimes. Well, check this out with these cool sliding doors. That's something I've never seen before. Yeah. What are those little like, uh, are those like cutting blocks that are down in the, between the base? I think they're cutting blocks and maybe yeah. trays for coffee. That's kind of cool. It's way cool. Something a little different. 
I Plus, feel- it's somewhere where you can store that stuff. Right now, we store, we don't have, we have a cutting block, but um, we store all of our cutting boards in the same cabinet as the cookie sheets. And it's kind of like clunky in there. It's kind of have nice. Have you ever chucked your muffin trays across the pantry? What? Those, the muffin trays. Like, so I have all of our cookie sheets together. And then we have like these random sized, like muffin rack or thing, you know, make muffins, yeah. whatever they're called. And, and they hang up the whole, it pulls the whole thing over. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I, I literally, so when we're redoing our pantry, I've requested that we have compartments for each style of, you know. Oh my gosh. And, How and, do you know you're fancy when you request custom compartments for your muffin trays? <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. How many times a year, realistically, do we make muffins to even give a crap about a muffin tray? <laughs> Which is why I'm asking, how fancy yeah. do you have to be to have your own compartments for your muffin trays? It's easier to buy a new one each time and throw it away, Andy, <laughs> than your new Amen. muffin compartment. Amen. Oh, and Lisa, Lisa, uh, Andy's wife is commenting, I'll post before and afters of our new pantry. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, this is what happens when you watch the home edit. Have you watched the home edit, Andy? No, uh-uh. That's where your wife is getting all of the reorganization ideas from. So if Shut you want to be down. prepared, down. you could just watch that. Know what's yeah. coming next. Yeah. Um, all right. Quick question from Greg. Uh, that's a little bit off, t- off of our topic for today. Yeah. Are there any sweet spots left in Minnesota where you can buy Lakeshore for less than $1,000 a foot? I'd say yes. I've been looking like up in some of the Isanti counties and Polk or uh, uh, north of the metro here. We've been around looking at some lakeshore where it's right around there. Um, they're not they're not big, huge recreational lakes by any means. Um, normally they're with acreage, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it gets pretty tricky. To a thousand bucks a foot's pretty. That's that's definitely the seventies and eighties pricing. Yeah. What is the average foot price today? <clears throat> Rooney? So depends. Depends on the terrain, what what area you're in. Um, well, like Prior Lake starts at about what, 5,000 a foot? Did you say a lake lot, 500,000 plus? It, it depends. I mean, first of all, there is no lake lots. Um, but if there, if, there, if there was, I mean, and what they are is teardowns and, and people are paying a million dollars for 100 feet, you know? So, yeah. So that's ten thousand a foot. Yeah, I mean, and it it really does vary. Yeah. If you get outside of the metro, is it still? Are you still seeing those types of prices? Well, you know, Greg's up in the, if I remember right, up in the Alex area, and there's a lot of beautiful lakeshore up there for three thousand a foot. You know, the hundred foot wide lots, three hundred grand. You know, give or take a couple bucks, and you're on the big water. You're on big lakes. Um, Some are more, of course. You know, there's always that perfect lot that's on the peninsula that they get more for, but it's not, uh, you can't, you can't buy and build a cabin for 200,000 anymore. You're, you're in that four to a million seems like without trying very hard. Another question, are glass doors to the pantry hot or not? It's like a show right there. I'd say not. I'd say in the, the reason I'd say that is just no one wants to see the junk. I mean, it's just like what Andy's saying. He's trying to hide the junk in, in his little 
is West Pantry or East Pantry, sorry. Yeah. And uh, there, I think that is, I think a clean, I mean, you said it before, <laughs> clean, functional, you know, and, uh, and I also think ideas like that, like what he's doing um, are, are big sales. Those, those are little things that you can do that can totally set your house apart from other people. It's just like, rather than that little desk area, you're creating a, you know, a whatever area. But I mean, what Andy's really doing is he's made his kitchen a lot bigger by making his pantry functional. He's getting all that crap off the countertops and back into something that's still usable, that I can go in there and grab it, but I don't have to see it every second. And I don't have to store it in the one cabinet that's got all 10 things in it. And you can't got to get past that muffin drawer he's talking about to get it's, to the uh, Chris, if you would have gave me that advice three days ago before I ordered my new pantry system, it yep. would have saved me about five grand. Yeah, well... Well, Andy, um, you should maybe be happy that Lisa didn't see this before you started doing your your pantry. Um, oh shoot, I just lost the picture. These people put a hidden second pantry in their fake pantry door, and they have an actual second kitchen in there for all of their stuff, so that their main kitchen That's, uh, that looks like the house I built over in uh, Hugo. It's we, we so actually, cool. We did that. We have a hidden pantry behind the pantry. And um, for whatever reason, they wanted it hidden. They did that exact thing. I would do this. Oh my gosh, this would yeah, be move down, Move back again. So there you see all the appliances that just sit out that yep. you typically have sitting on your counter out there. Look at yeah. the, Now go back to the kitchen. It's immaculate. It's totally clean. Yep, that's exactly right. Everything goes in the hidden pantry. But you know what's interesting is that it, it's a cute idea. Um, you're going into that pantry room like that, but it, it does take a lot of thought just to be really clear. Um, we we spent a lot of extra money on cabinet design and um, how tall is that door going through there? And now you look at the cabinet doors, cabinet doors like to warp. So, you know, when they get too tall and too wide. So a lot of times then you put in almost like a, a heavy duty door. So it, it can be done. We did it. Um, and then it, it I think it turned out pretty cool. They had it in a butler's pantry where you walk from the kitchen through to the front formal dining. And then they had like on the one side, they had the, the countertop where you put all of your stuff like this. And then mm -hmm. on the other side, they had the pantry and the wine bar. You'd open up the pantry door. You could go through the pantry door underneath the stairs. And then that was a whole new area that was hidden. It was actually turned out really cool. I think this is a unique thing. What do you think this would do to resale value? <clears throat> you know, I, where, where's the refrigerator? Yeah. Probably, they're probably taking the picture on top because of it. I mean, if it's next to the sink over there, I, I mean, I don't think it's in the back area, which it, it couldn't be. Because, I mean, the reality is, is I mean, I mean, you got to go completely around a corner into the back to be able to do your toast while you're making eggs out front, you know? Yeah. And so that I don't they, see the refrigerator, guys. It's. I'm uh, guessing it's. It's. She's staring it might, at it. Oh. Yeah, okay. it might be on the, uh, just on the left of her as we look at the picture, like right where this photo is taken from. It's probably okay. where it's on this wall. Kind of interesting, though, how they... Uh, oh, it's they not. There's no wall there. There's it no must fridge. be back there. Where is the fridge? You know, we're just, we're painfully hurting everyone that just listened to this on a podcast. I know, I'm sorry. You can go watch <laughs> what we're, you can go see what we're looking at if you're listening to the replay on the podcast by watching us on our Facebook page. Real Estate Radio Hour on Facebook and uh, look at the show from November 5th, 2020. And you can see all the pictures that we're looking at. They're actually very cool. 
I love the open shelving too. So you can see exactly what you got and don't. It's not hiding behind a, a door. So we just had this argument though. I said, as we get older, the, everything from the waist down is going to need to have like a pull out, almost like roll out shelf on it. And I was argued with and lost. So I can't wait to see myself down on my hands and knees, reaching into one of those back deep cabinets, trying to find the sugar. I had a thing of sugar fall on my head last night, just trying to get stuff out of our pantry. That's the sign that it's time to move to a bigger house. When your food is falling out of the pantry onto your head, that's when it's time for a bigger house. That's a sign of a few things, Courtney. Just Thanks, saying. Chris. <laughs> I always, you know, I, I, I moderate this show because of all of the loving support that I get from the two of you. I just, I just have, I have people say a lot, oh my gosh, that, that girl with you is so nice. And it's kind of like, she has to put up with you and Andy. And I'm like, we're not that bad. No, you're not. You guys are fun to, you're fun to hang out with. And it wouldn't be a show if we didn't go off on a tangent. So we're going to continue on this tangent for one more question. Um, Are you seeing appliance garages in the corner of kitchen countertops? I think that's a playoff of Andy's reorg of his pantry. Current, not in new houses, we don't see it. I, I've had people request it. Um, and the cabinet guys go, gosh, I'm going to go dig up the plans on how to make one. You know, they, they're not. What is common. an appliance garage? What is it? Yeah. Literally, that's where you hide your toaster, your blenders. You just saw it with a door that comes down. It looks like a little garage door that comes down and closes up your. Oh, blinds. I used to yeah. nanny for some people that lived um, in Legends and they had that. And that was hot back then, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah, before we built these big, beautiful pantries, I mean, they uh, it, pantries are really something new. They, pantries started off by being a big, full height, full depth cabinet with rollout shelves on it, you know, 20 some years ago. And now that's evolved into having a separate room that's like a walk-in closet. And it, I think you're going to continue to see that because it's smart. You have a big, beautiful pantry and you put that in versus the cabinets. You can spend 25000 or you could spend... 15,000 on cabinets. Most people prefer 15 and then have a bigger pantry. So for all of you who are wondering what a appliance garage is like me, because you don't actually know what that means. I found you a few pictures and if you are not listening to us live or watching us on Facebook. Then you can come watch our Facebook show to see what all of these are. That's but a, this is, that's a, I would call that an appliance cabinet. Okay. The garage is kind of the one that kind of folds up or pulls up. Yeah. There How about that one? That's that like a, a high-tech appliance garage. Yeah. They normally had the rolling door, though, that would go straight up. I think I found one of those. Sometimes yeah. they put garage door openers on them. Little there you like go. That, that, that's an People old literally put automatic garage doors on them? Yeah. Are you kidding? They, yeah. You're lying. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you have a remote awesome. and everything. It's awesome. If I just the young one. They're Wi-Fi capable. Go ahead. Yeah, you're so you're so funny. (laughs) All right. Any before we before we get out of our deep dive on kitchen organization. Um, any final thoughts on single level living? (laughs) I say I say plan for it earlier. And and if you're gonna build and you don't, you know, you don't know if it's long term. Build with a plan that kind of could be uh, added on to as well. And I agree with Andy about that, that lower level. 
you know, a lot of people, I, we had in, in a development that we've had none, I've had three inquiries now for slab on grades, three. Wow. Three to be able to build it there. Yeah, which is great. Two of them have a hold on the lots for it and that's what they want to do. Um, and they have their reasonings for it too, but I agree with Andy that, you know, not for a ton more money, you know, now we shouldn't say that because the more windows you put in, it becomes a walkout. It costs more money to be able to do it. But um, I still think it's, it's worth the, the money. I, I agree. I think, I think it's just for the 25,000, it saves you. It, it costs you in resale, costs you in comfort. Um, some people even put crawl spaces below the houses and that hardly saves you nothing. You know, because by the time you put a crawl space down there and you use a floor system, you might as well just put the full basement below it and forget it's even there, you know. But it again, it comes down to where, you know, if you plan ahead, you know, um, you know, the uh, you, you're going to come up with something that's a long term solution that you can, you know, get old in. You can, you know, have your life, um, your physical, you know, things change and you're not going to have to move. It's kind of nice knowing that you have the that comfort behind you, knowing that you have a house that kind of is a catch all versus the okay, now I need to have one level living and there's nothing for sale. So I'm going to settle. And, and then one level living can be uncomfortable too, right? So you, you buy a house that's not the right size or it doesn't have the right amount of bedrooms or it doesn't have the, and then it's a temporary fix. So planning ahead, I think, especially if you're going one level, planning ahead and possibly looking at building is probably the 90% hit it out of the park. What I would shoot for right now in today's market, because um, finding one level houses, those that have been out there shopping, it, you have to move fast and you have to make cash offers. Um, you're going to get into multiple offers um, and you've got to be able to offer crazy things to get those houses in your possession. So um, I feel that it's better to move at your pace, build, um, pick all the selections, do all the things, enjoy the build. And then, uh, you know, it's more fun that way too. Awesome. Great insight as always from our show of experts. And now we have last week's questions. How to respectfully lowball? Will this work? I know this is a low offer. It is not intended to insult you, but it is the max I can spend. It's also not a starting negotiation. It's literally the most I can pay. If you want this off your hands and can work with this number, let me know so we can move forward. I, I would highly suggest not to give them that. That <laughs> that. And then on the bottom, it says, uh, without a real estate agent, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. But I mean, I'll tell you what, I mean, there is sometimes, I mean, people, people talk about offers and, you know, that, hey, it's going to be low and stuff like that. But I, I'm really of the belief that, I mean, there are some people that are investors and that just want that. But I really believe that when people make an offer, they're, there's a reason they're making an offer. Maybe they do want it less expensive, but they've justified why they're trying to buy it. Because if they get it, there's a reason. It may be, you know, hey, Susie's going to be in this room. Billy will be in this room. Um, look at the backyard. We can put a, a nice swing set there. The schools are exactly what we want. It's in a really good location. And once the, if you get them to write, you usually can kind of work it, you know, and try to get them a little closer. So I really encourage sellers because that's the big thing is uh, sellers get insulted, you know, and uh, trying to justify justify your the thing that you're going to insult them no matter what with the low ball and then try to justify why you're insulting them. They just don't want to hear it. And so it's really up to like I say, it's, it's on me. 
So if you're bringing a, a lowball offer and I'm representing that seller, it's for me to prepare that seller that, hey, this is what it is. But like I just said before, you know, you know they've probably gone through these other things. And so it's and it's only worth what you're willing to sell for and what they're willing to buy it for. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But don't look past what they did because some people are doing that. Some cultures do that. You know, that's just the way they are. And maybe that's a... Maybe they're coming from uh, Rhode Island where, you know, every house is 20% less than what the list price is. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but um, you just have to try to keep the emotions out of it when you're dealing on this stuff. It's definitely a different culture in Rhode Island. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say, you know, here's the thing. Hey, God bless America, man. You can do whatever you want. You want to lowball somebody, lowball them. Don't feel bad about it. Get emotions. This is business. You go in with the offer that you want to offer. And if I had an agent or a client asked me to do that, I'd walk in with great pride and say, hey, here's what I put together for you. Let me know if this works. Here's the deadline we have. You know, let us know by this date. Um, we'll move on if it doesn't work. Otherwise, hey, give us a call. We'll uh, we'll get ink on this deal right now. Um, but on the other hand, you know, in today's market, that that is very hard when you do that. And then they have six other offers that are above asking price. And some of them are cash. So it doesn't work. I think it's it's also like if you put the analogy compared to a car, and I mean, are you wheeling and dealing on a Rolls Royce or are you wheeling and dealing on a you know an entry level Ford Fiesta, you know, or whatever? I mean, is it what are you what price point are you at? Because I think it's more believable the lower the price point than it is if you're in an executive level. You know, I only can pay one one on this one point three million dollar house. Just tell them you want to pay one one and don't play the game. Nobody cares. I hate to say it, but the background stories to me. Never make a difference. I, 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 as a listing agent, I, I, for liability reasons, I don't even like to hear it because then you can say I was biased on on whose offer I accepted because of the story, or I was, you know, uh, you name all the different protected classes that are out there um, that you could have offended by reading a, a letter, and that's it's it's something that as listing agents, I've learned to avoid, and it's all about the numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh. I know, and I get it, Chris. I mean, we've talked about this before where it's nice to say, oh, yeah, hey, look at, we have two little kids and we want the kids to play in the park behind the house and whatever. But it you you are making a decision based on other than the terms of the offer when you do that. But what I've, what I've also seen, though, is that when you when you do say that, and I love your house, it's the greatest house ever, and we want to grow our family in here, and it's the best thing ever. And by the way, I want to give you 50000 less. So those things got to make sense. Right. It's just like in all this stuff. I mean, what you what you put in an offer is, I mean, what you say and what you do are two different things. And I'm like, hey, it's what you're doing here. That's That speaks to me. I mean, everything they do in that purchase agreement, it tells me who they are and what they're trying to do. You know, I don't really need a letter per se, um, but I'll tell you what, I've seen it many times. People have chosen the letter um, and uh, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Second question and final question for today, since we are, we spent a lot of time talking about our topic today. Uh, what hurts a home appraisal? That's a great question. I talked about that. Square footage. Is it just square footage? Square footage hurts. I mean, well, yeah, because they're trying to use that little per square foot price. I mean, as long as the bedrooms and baths, um, Kind of work out you can usually justify it but uh they're trying to find like like homes and that doesn't mean that hey like homes means it's got you know three evergreens in the back yard versus one evergreen it's usually hey it's four bedroom three bath it's within a mile that's what we got to use 
kind of thing. So uh, if you have something that's special, um, you know, that sometimes hurts, that you got to try to justify it, you got to help it. We just had an appraisal that we thought was going to be a real, we thought was going to be a problem, you know, um, and we went in and showed them everything that they did to that house and justified it for that appraiser to be able to kind of get it to the level that we thought it was. And that appraiser believed it because in the end, that appraiser has to stick by that number and know that it's good, you know, so. Well, I was going to say the the number one problem I have is is um, when people build these big, beautiful houses and then they don't record them on the MLS. And so we don't have the comparable to compare to. Um, it's more common than you realize. And it's 100% an effort to avoid taxes. So if they have a contract with the builder and they pay $1.5 million for the house and it's cash and the builder closes it and says, well, the building permit was for $600,000 and they have no recorded deed like mortgage deed on there they have no way to tell what that person actually paid and so then they have to go out there and appraise it and it all in an effort to keep the the taxes low and and create some anonymity <laughs> and and an, i can't even say it now <laughs> secrecy um they would like some secrecy and privacy so their nosy cousin can't look up what they sold their bought their house for um so there, there's um, some of that happening as well. So on the high end, there's a lot of people that do it. And man, it would make my life a lot easier if they would just get them recorded or if there was a way they could put them on the MLS as a suggested value or range that they could use because it, I'm telling you, some of these houses are gorgeous and they have all the right things in them to help me out with a house that's at 800 and they don't record it. And so then you have to go to the county and there's no record at the county other than the deed transfer. And it's like, crap. You know, it's, it's tricky. So basically stop being so emotional about your home purchase and give Andy all the numbers. Is that what somebody texted in? No, I'm just, I, I'm just laughing. Cause you said it earlier, don't, don't be emotional about buying a home. It's, it's just business. <laughs> well, no one buys. I, I am teasing you. I am, I am not saying anything. I am just teasing. Is it easy for me to put those goggles on? But I know when you're looking at a house and thinking about raising babies and having, family get-togethers and your your big parties and and, and it, it's different. And I understand that. So there are times where I have to sit down in school um, or spend a little time to understand, you know, my for myself, what is your drive to get this property? And for ten dollars or $15,000, do you want to lose this opportunity? You know, because sometimes it comes right down to where we're, we're fighting over five or 10 grand. And, it, and a, a buyer that's going to live there for 10, 15, 20 years you'll be much happier, pay the 15, 20,000 more, get the house you want that's going to be perfect for you. And, and everything will heal itself over time. You know, that 10 or 50. Now, if you're buying an entry level house where every house is 100 and you pay 150, you're in trouble for a long time. But if you're paying 105, who cares? Awesome. Uh, well, thanks for- yeah. No, I think that was good insight. That was uh, that was good insight. And sometimes oh. we have to find that balance between being emotional and thinking about everything emotionally and looking at everything from you know a straight number standpoint. But I'll tell you what he did. He's that's that's what a realtor does. What he's what he's doing. Yeah, you know, he's, you're supposed he's to be the value, and he's telling them how the value, and he's helping them. He's helping them not make that mistake because it is a mistake. You know, if if they're not going to go for that. Uh, you know, if, okay, so I have instances on that where people have 
missed out on houses and then they end up paying 20,000 more for something they didn't even like in the other one. And they're like, oh gosh, I wanted that one. And so that's what you want. You want someone to tell you, that's our job. We got to give you the information to make a decision. It's not just say, I want to sale and I want to get the most it is. This is what it, I mean, that's, that's a good, I'm, I'm complimenting him right now. No, I know you are. I think that that is the job of a good real estate agent is to be the voice of reason because as an individual or a family, it is very hard to take the emotional side of that house is where you're going to live your life or where you have spent the last 20 years raising your kids and living your life. It's hard to take that out of it because it's been such a huge part of your life or has the potential to be such a huge part of it. That's all part of it. And one of the things Chris and I, I'm, I'm, you know, agents use as all the time. I'll say, listen, let's get the deal wrapped up at this price. Let's do the inspection. That'll buy you some time. If you don't, if you still at the end of the week, when we get the, the inspection done, you're not happy and you want to walk away. There's ways that we can get you out of the contract. Um, but in the meantime, don't lose the opportunity. And, and like I said, for $7 a month or whatever your payment will change by, by giving them what they want, who cares? You know? Right. Anyway. Well, another awesome, awesome show this week, guys. Nice little fall, fall background from Andy. Yeah. We lost. The- I, I have to do this because I'm losing my tan, Courtney. Oh my gosh. I, I have already lost mine. I look so pale. Next week, I'm going to be as white as these birch trees. I think we should maybe try an experiment. I will send you some um, self-tanner and... <laughs> We'll do a little like weekly experiment of which self-tanner is the best self-tanner and Andy can be the test person. Wonderful. (laughs) His his hair will always look good though. I'm telling you. It will always look good. Your hair. I think that I don't notice that you're not tan anymore because your hair is uh, just. Thank you. Yeah. I mean that sincerely. Well, thank you. You can always wear, (laughs) I can always wear one of my uh, customer hats. I do like those hats. I well, do, man. Aren't they cool? I do. I Rick oh, has yeah, one. I love it. You get one for free. Did you just say if you buy a house, you get one for free? That's my that's my special this week. Oh, I bet you they'll run to you. <laughs> what oh. about send Andy a referral and you can get a hat? <laughs> All you have to do is tell I'm, me. I'm leaving. I drive you guys, you guys <laughs> up. Great show today, guys. All right, see you guys. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.